What's up, y'all? I'm very happy today to have my friend Kim on here. She's in a field in which is necessary in this world. Frankly, at the end of the day, if you're not aware of this field, you're probably concerned about what your where your identity is, what's going on in life, and uh, whether or not uh, you're going to be able to function in a cyber world and in the normal world because of what's happened in the cyber world. She is doing things for companies that are keeping our country safe as well as individuals within the country safe. So you need to know what she's doing and you need to know how you could potentially do it if you want to figure out how to get into this industry. This industry is not going anywhere. In fact, it is the future. And if you're not looking towards it, you might get left behind. So with that, I have to introduce Kim and she's laughing because and I'm gonna tell myself we did a good 10 minutes and on my 12th interview I finally forgot to hit the actual court button so we did some good stuff only for her to have to go back and do it but it's all good it's all good so no. go ahead Kim and let's just get straight to it what was the first actual profession that you ever desired to have my first position, <laughs> position. Um, as a kid, um, I wanted to be a nurse. I was going to be a nurse. There were no doubts about it. Um, that was what I was going to do, um, period, um, right? Um, and it stemmed from um, nurses in my family and um, my mother actually being a nurse as well. Um, so health was something that was uh, um, pretty important to me um, at the time. Um, and <laughs> so my senior year of high school, um, I decided to change that um, on a whim. Um, and I will admit that was because of a boy that I liked um, that influenced me to um, change my, um, my dream of being a nurse and being in the health field, um, healthcare field to something else. And that would be computers. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, we have to ask the most important question here. We'll run, we'll get back to this boy who persuaded you to <laughs> other dream, your first dream. The first important question that we must ask really is, do you love your job? I do. I, I love my job very much. Um, and I, um, as I promised, will be very forthcoming and transparent um, and to say that um, with love does come some pain, um, and, um, and I will just, you know, tell anyone that, and that could be with most positions, honestly, but I would tell anyone, um, you, you really have to, to have a passion for whatever career, um, that, um, you embark on, um, and this is one that I'm very, very passionate about, and I do love very deeply, um, but, you know, it's not without its qualms. Yeah, and like I said, uh, when we were previously recording, uh, <laughs> my, one of my teachers in, in high school, my theology teacher, he said, uh, he taught us because he was married for either five to seven years at this point. He was like, you're going to love your wife or your partner every single day of your life, but it's going to be many days you're not going to like them. And that is not going to stop you from if you're out in the rain and you have the umbrella, holding an umbrella over that person's head, regardless if you dislike them or not, because love takes it way beyond that. You can get back to liking somebody because love allows you to move in a direction that you want your life to go, especially with an actual person or an activity mission that you're pursuing. So definitely respect that. 
And now let's run to the, we have to address the fact that there was a boy who impacted <laughs> you and brought to light this position that you ended up taking on at past senior year into your current profession. <laughs> so, so please elaborate on what it was that was so attractive about this profession that allowed you <laughs> your entire dreams and if you need to um feel free to uh, expand upon how was he able to persuade you to switch it up because nursing is not like nursing nurse real like nurses don't get paid like they, they right. do very well right well <laughs> so um i think you know now that I've, i think about it as an adult right um you know i do believe that and i'll give props to my mom um, because she did, um, she she was into technology, into computers, and she um, provided this deep-rooted love for the technology, you know, but back then, you know, I don't want to give away my age, back then, this is like AOL days, okay, so there wasn't that much <laughs> going on with technology at the time, um, so yeah, he, the, the boy, um, he was also into computers. Um, he was planning to major in computer science um, and convinced me. He convinced me to do the same. I, I, I think it was after he realized um, how um, inept I was um, with computers and the technology as well. So he saw that and, you know, he saw my passion and he was just like, I, I honestly can't remember, you know, what was said or if he even said anything about just remember being like, I'm going to change my major to computer science. <laughs> yeah. You all were in high school. How are you changing a major if you weren't yeah. even in college? You didn't officially change your major. You just changed your mind on what your major I changed my mind. Right. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So by the time I started applying, then it was no longer, you know, nursing and health. It was <laughs> computer science. What was so captivating about computer science, though, that uh, from high school years mm -hmm. to now, you've, you've stuck with it? Well, um, it, uh, for me, it was, uh, I love helping people. Um, and I have always been the person, you know, that people in family or friends would come to if they had an issue, you know, with, with technology, right? So it was one of those things where it's like, okay, um, I love doing this, so I might as well, you know, um, get a formal education in it too, and then just see where it goes. Um, for me, it was the thought of creating something new, um, something from my brain um, that excited me um, um, to, in, to want to do this, especially computer science, because again, you know, once you get into the curriculum itself, you know, back then it was heavily calculus based and, you know, you had all these coding classes and those things really intrigued me, especially the coding classes. So um, it was more of creating something, getting something to work, a piece of technology to work that I created and came up with. Okay. Okay. So we've pretty much hinted this whole time and it's kind of evident a little bit of what you do, but do me a favor and actually break down what your actual job title is, your official title is, and also break down exactly what it means. Sure. So today, as of today, I am a senior information security engineer. Um, now I will say going in, um, you know, into college, um, 
it took me a little bit of time. I knew that um, security is where I wanted to be, but that space was not as lucrative as it is today. Um, so um, I, in college, um, just want to go back to that for a little bit. I changed my major from computer science to information systems. Um, and I'm giving you this detail simply because um, it does help um, put things together. Um, so in college, I changed my major to information systems. Um, what that entailed was, and I didn't know at the time, it was, is that I would be introduced to a programming language called COBOL. Right, COBOL is if you, <laughs> COBOL is this programming language that most people would um, think um, is very outdated and it's gone away by now. But it is not. It is it, it is here. It is here to stay, um, and it is a very lucrative and robust programming language. Pro COBOL is a programming language used on mainframe systems. So I said that I am a senior information security engineer. I am a security engineer on that platform, the mainframe platform. Um, and then some would say, well, what are mainframes? Aren't they dead? People are still using these? Um, absolutely not. Um, the mainframe is not dead. The mainframe is not going anywhere. Um, it mainframes run the Western economy. Um, I say that to say, as an example, um, ATMs, um, credit card processing. If you're going to the store, you're swiping your card, guess what? Mainframes are processing that, right? Um, so um, to say that what I do um, is important, I think, I, I, I don't want to say it belittles it because it's more than that, right? Like I've always wanted to do something that um, that is important, that um, Many people, they many people don't even realize, right? Like what's going on behind the scenes. And I just love the fact that I'm able to be a part of that and um, responsible for securing that environment. Um, that is something that really brings me joy. Okay, okay. So when we're talking about these mainframes, because I, I, I really want to flush that out so it's clear and evident. Um, what's on it? Like if a mainframe goes down what happens like like this is like let's make mainframe all right average humans understanding <laughs> okay. okay if a mainframe goes down god forbid if a mainframe goes down you will not be able to use atms you will not be able to um make purchases with credit cards um most of um the main systems in the healthcare. Um, would go down, meaning um, health insurance companies, they use the mainframe environment, um, so they wouldn't be able to process claims. Um, medical systems as a whole, if you're going to the hospital to emergency, I don't know if many people pay attention, but when they're entering your information, um, the screen they're entering information on is a mainframe um, and is backed by mainframe processing systems. Um, so yeah, um, also, <laughs> many people don't know this. There is a lot of Department of Defense and government systems um, that are that use the mainframe um, as, as um, processing systems. So it would affect most 
of everyday life, if not all. So as we talk about mainframes, I'm hearing a lot of conversations related to finance. So is a mainframe primary purpose to assist with financial transactions? Um, it's not, the primary purpose is not to assist with financial transactions per se. Um, the purpose of it is to be able to, without a doubt, process um, tons of transactions. It is a transaction processing technology. So whatever type of processing, it could be the census, um, it could be um, any local government type of systems, any type of processing that is needed, then the mainframe is capable of doing it with the least amount of downtime versus servers. Okay, okay. How many companies out there like this? Um, thousands. There are thousands. Um, <clears throat> this does a different thing, I'm assuming. Or, or focuses on a different thing, or is it just they're in their own territory and they're maintaining the mainframes in their territory? Um, no, so it would depend, right? You know, there are companies that can maintain the mainframes for companies, for, you know, the, those companies are their customers, but then there are companies that maintain their own. Um, I have been employed on both sides. Um, and of course, I've also been employed with DOD, right? So it's one of those things where um, you have banks. Um, for instance, we're in Cincinnati. Um, some of the, most of the major banks would use this technology. Um, and then from another standpoint, from a, from a financial perspective, um, payment processing companies. So the middleman that processes your, your credit card transactions, they heavily use this technology as well. Okay, so what's exciting about this position for you? For me, um, it's just the thought of knowing that um, I'm responsible for making sure um, that there is no loss or downtime. I'm responsible for um, creating processes and procedures to make sure that um, either insider threats or hackers, external threats, um, aren't able to access identities um, and the, the information, the, the personal information of customers um, and things of that sort. So for me, it's just the idea of, hey, I, I have the, the, the privilege of helping to secure so much data um, and these environments for people across the world, not just the United States, but across the world. Okay, so are you the person that is a response, not you, not literally you, but mm -hmm. is there a version of you out there that's the reason that uh, YouTube has crashed and <laughs> IG has had its moment, Facebook ain't letting us upload nothing. <laughs> it, 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 is it you? Is, is it your industry that's a... Uh, that, that's dropped the ball and got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would not say it's my industry. There could be a number of things going on there and it could be on the Windows side or what we call the distributed side. Um, honestly, <laughs> yeah, honestly, it could be anything, right? Like even small things could cause that, that to happen. So um, I wouldn't say, you know, it will be just my industry that would would be at fault here for that. <laughs> I would assume that, uh, well, I'm pretty sure, I feel like 
Facebook, Instagram, those two being combined are worth almost a trillion at this point, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. with them practically being their own country uh, financially, do they have their own team of you and their own mainframe separate from, say, how, I guess, like you said, hospitals and ATMs? Mm-hmm. It sounds like there's a company communicating for those organizations and doing the, doing the transactions for that, but mm-hmm. that's all a part of one business. While I would assume if I'm Facebook and Instagram, I want you solely focused on us. So um, that would depend on if they have mainframes, right? Um, and the way this works is, is that most companies have their own mainframes in their own data centers. So their own internal employees are who, like their version of me, right? My counterparts at these companies are responsible for the environments. Um, so it that would, so Google, I do believe have mainframes. Um, I know Amazon has mainframes. Um, I'm not sure if Twitter does or not, um, honestly. I'd have to have to look that up. Hmm. Um, but you know, um, big tech, there there are plenty of them um, that use mainframes. I mean, like you know, why would they not? Because of the processing power that these machines have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I spill coffee on my computer without it uh, being uploaded to the cloud and having backup, then I just lost what was on my computer. Mm-hmm. If somebody just spilled coffee on. <laughs> A mainframe. For one, they would have to spray it, right? Because you're not going to spill coffee. The, these machines are... I know, I know. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. But I'm saying, like, in theory, because I'm, I'm trying to say spill coffee on it. Yeah. It, it sounds a lot more malicious to say if somebody <laughs> coffee went like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I'm trying to I'm trying to say it in a nicer way. If it was mm-hmm. an accident that I was walking down the hall in the mainframe room and I tripped and my coffee that was in my in my container went onto the mainframe, does Instagram or Facebook or whatever social media site just lose all of its content? And we're just all starting back over. Um, no. So again, that would mean that would um, depend on if they use mainframes, what they're using right now. If we're talking about, um, let's see, if we're talking about a financial company um, that's housing information on the mainframe and this happened, right? Um, hopefully, um, normally they have backups, backup machines. So they would automatically, if something happened to that machine, then processing would automatically pick up on the other. Okay. So, you know, they have, you know, um, workarounds. <laughs> so getting more detailed and more into the weeds, how much of your job is connected to coding? Um, these days, um, I, not much of it is connected to coding, um, but it is crucial to have some background in coding because there are some things, you know, if you, um, for me, for instance, there are some things that are mundane for me and I would prefer that they are automated. So just being able to write something up really quick to automate, you know, one of my daily tasks um, is, is really important. And this is essentially the equivalent of learning another language, right? Yes. How do you learn that language and become fluent in it? Because it just, I mean, for us at many of the laymen, we're just like this, uh, 
doesn't even seem logical or reasonable to ask me to learn this. Right. Um, so, you know, these days there are really um, a ton of avenues for learning, you know, different languages or just learning the mainframe environment in general. Um, so for those that are in college, um, there is, so, and just so people know, IBM is the maker of the mainframes that use ZOS. That, that is what my expertise is in. Um, for those that are in ZOS, college, write that down. What's that? ZOS. ZOS is the operating system for the main. It is equivalent to Windows, you know, right, for um, machines or um, the operating system for Macs. So ZOS is the operating system. There are a number of different operating systems for mainframes, but ZOS is um, the main one. Um, and so, college. If you are a student in college or you are um, about to attend college or start college, um, there are programs um, that you can look for. So IBM sponsors um, a program called the IBM Academic Initiative. Um, and that program actually um, teaches students um, about the mainframe environment, about enterprise computing. Um, now, that initiative is not in um, every college, but it is in a good number of HBCUs, which I'm really happy about, um, and, but it is also in a good number um, of other um, colleges as well. Um, if you don't want to go to college, um, while it may be a little bit harder to get into industry because most people do seek some type of um, upper level education, um, there are training courses that you could take. For instance, there is a local um, organization here in Cincinnati called Perscolis, um, and they and they um, they teach some of the mainframe um, and enterprise computing for some of the local um, companies here. Um, so that would be another thing that people could look into as well. Um, there is also um, online um, courses with Coursera. Coursera, if you know, if you are thinking about it, um, you don't know, you know, if this is something that you would want to do, then you could take a look at some of the IBM courses in Coursera um, and try them out to see if it's something that you would be interested in. What about Linda? Does Linda fall into this conversation? Um, I haven't seen anything. Linda, but I would have to check. I would have to go back and get back with you on that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So hmm. let's just go ahead and hop straight to the conversation of mapping out your your your, your professional journey. Okay. So obviously, we've heard you in high school and you getting to college. So now we're in college. We we're taking on the major of. information systems mm -hmm. um, okay so I graduated from college uh, um, and I ended up becoming a computer programmer um, on the mainframe systems for Saks Fifth Avenue um, but the whole time I was still stuck with I want to do security I want to do security I want to do security um, and honestly at that time Mario I hated the mainframes I'll be honest 
Like I hated it. I didn't want to to be coding in COBOL or any of these things. Like I want to do some cool forensics and security stuff, right? Um, lo and behold, I ended up getting picked up by the United States Senate in Washington, D.C. Um, I think I was working for Saks Fifth Avenue for roughly two years, two and a half years. Um, I ended up getting interviewed um, and offered a position in D.C. for the Senate um, Sergeant at Arms. Um, and there is where I started my security um, journey. Um, but they also picked me up. These are some things that I've learned throughout my journey. Um, they picked me up also because I had mainframe experience, because they had a few mainframes that they needed um, some administration on. Um, so, it, you know, now that I think about it now, I think it was pretty cool. And, and if I could, if I think back, um, I'm pretty sure like most of my jobs, um, I received offers because of my mainframe experience, which is totally funny to me. Um, so left the Senate um, and I moved back home to Mississippi. Um, and that's where I worked for Blue Cross Blue Shield um, of Mississippi for a good while and gained the bulk of my um, mainframe and security experience as well. Um, and honestly, again, that was because of my mainframe experience, but I got to do um, a lot more than just mainframe security. Um, that is where I learned forensics. I learned um, network security. I learned tons of things there. Um, and, you know, eventually caught the eye um, of a contracting company that wanted me to, you know, jump on board with them for a DOD contract um, here in Ohio. That's how I ended up in Ohio. Okay. Yeah, that's how it ended um, up here. And, and, all right, then. I mean, I think that was a really good layout. Did you have an internship or anything like that in college that gave you some of the experience? To so I did. I have a lot of counterparts that did. They mm -hmm. did internships, and those are available. That's why I try, you know, to, to mention certain things to people now. Um, my journey, the way I began, um, is completely different from everyone else's. Um, and honestly, I will say that I am um, all the more blessed for it um, because um, I didn't have any mentors, right? I didn't have any internships, any of that stuff. Um, it was just me trucking and pushing, like trying to make a name for myself, trying to make a space for myself. Um, but I am happy to say that now they, there are many more internship opportunities um, for people in this space than okay. there were before. So what's the traditional route then, since you mentioned you were non-traditional. So what's, what's more of the traditional route? So I think the traditional route now is, especially for college students, is to enroll, seek out and enroll into the IBM academic initiative if they are specifically seeking um, something in the mainframe space, um, because um, I know a lot of counterparts of mine that went through that program. One of my, actually one of my mentees um, that I, I mentee today, um, he went through that program and he was, and through that program was also able to obtain an internship position with IBM. Um, and I think that helped him tremendously in his career and in his journey. Okay. Okay. So, 
what does it actually look like? Like you're at work, what is coming through that you're seeing? What are you actually seeing? Say it in your language and of course, please translate it so we can understand. Uh, what are you seeing that's a quote unquote, a, a danger to you all security or I guess technically our security? Um, I would say the most important or, you know, most prevalent that what I see is more internal threat. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Because um, that sounds like somebody works for your company. Right. Malicious. Right. Internal threats would be um, threats that are uh, initiated internally, possibly by employees or some service, you know, within the company. Intentionally right? or did they just click the link on that email that they shouldn't have? It could be both. A lot of times it's, you know, clicking on emails and stuff, but then, you know, sometimes you have disgruntled employees, right? It can happen, um, unfortunately. And so uh, I think that's the most prevalent thing that we, that we work to get a handle on. Um, but again, I say, um, because I do work for um, a highly positioned company that, um, and, and, I'm, and I'm pretty sure that they are on lists, you know, for most, you know, bad people, um, you know, to play with. Um, our infrastructure, um, our country's infrastructure is always under attack. Um, every, I'd say possibly every three seconds, three to four seconds. What does that mean? There is constantly someone always trying to hack into or subvert um, our our important infrastructure, right? So that could be um, our energy infrastructure. Um, that could be our financial base infrastructure. Anything that would um, bring us back to the dark ages. Are they trying to hack in and pretty much digitally throw the coffee on to the main? Yeah. Yeah, that, that is constantly happening. Proprietary information. Well, they might some, be some do, you know, that's the goal for some. And then, the, then, then, then for others, there are other things that they're trying to do, right? Like there's always going to be someone out there, whether it's internally or externally, that's trying to do or gain something. So what does that look like when you're, when you're working from your computer? Do you just see like, is, are, is this like Neo in the Matrix and we see in a bunch of zeros? <laughs> And then in the middle of seeing zeros and ones, you see a letter Y and you're like, wait, what? That's that. <laughs> so I haven't had to look at a screen full of zeros and ones in a long time. Um, but um, particularly for me, so I have shifted into um, the identity space. Um, so what's so important with identity is that um, when you are um, creating identities within companies, um, it's important that people um, only have the access that they need to what they need, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I am responsible for the bulk of that, um, as well as, you know, creating processes, you know, within the system itself to make sure, you know, that, you know, Mario can't go in here and, you know, take a look at a, an important file that has credit card information, right? Okay. Because we wouldn't want that. I was going to ask, what are some of the, well, so you mentioned one thing. What are some of the other specific things that we don't need access to that your position is making sure that you're protecting your company, our companies from um, us having access to because we might just mess it up because it's breakable? 
Right. So, so personally identifiable information, right? You know, that could be names, addresses, um, social security numbers, credit card numbers, um, any, any type of information that would tie um, to a person that would create their identity, right? Um, most people just don't need access to that. And that is something that I work to ensure um, doesn't happen. Right. Um, and then, but then on the flip side, I also have to make sure that the the environment, the infrastructure itself, the operating system itself, I have to make sure that it is secure, right? That there are no holes that people can work through, you know, to get to that information. Right. So I don't I don't know if you're familiar with like when you're at work and they um, install patches. Mm -hmm. on your computers. I don't know what that means, so I want you to tell me. Like a patch? You know, so like with Microsoft, when, when, when they're installing patches, those are fixes to bugs in the operating system that they found. As in why my, my Apple product is always updating, and in the right. future, I'm going to say Apple product unless y'all going to pay me. Um, <laughs> my, my, my product is, is always getting updated because somebody has learned how that system is protecting us and is now trying to alter new ways to uh, hack my phone and get my my personal information. Right. Right. Okay. So so your there's companies out there like yours. Not I don't know if it's yours, and I'm certain it's your company. I don't want you to admit if it is. So there's companies out there like yours that are essentially protecting our HIPAA information. There are companies, yes. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say mine, but you know, HIPAA information, you would think of companies like health insurance companies. Mm -hmm. but, there, but it sounds like still it's, it's a position like yours that's, mm -hmm. that's standing watching guard and making sure that no, 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 turn around. No. Yeah, no. I, I was in that position. Yeah, I was You're in that position. person standing in. Mm -mm, mm -mm. And so that's the thing, Mario. Like you have to learn, like in this space, you you have to learn that you're going to be the bad guy, right? Like I'm the bad guy. I'm the, when they see me, uh-oh, but it's like, you know, that's just the way you have to have tough skin because, you know, people are, you, you can have friends as coworkers and, you know, but you still have to do what you have to do professionally and what your job entails to keep the environment safe. So you will have people, you know, they get angry all the time and, and you, you know, you eventually sometimes get labeled as, uh oh, here comes security. But it's just like, hey, but you know, what's the bad guy? I don't understand. I mean, if I'm on my computer and Kevin's last name spelled lowercase sends, sends me email like, can you can spell C-N-A? You know, they always misspell something in those emails. Yeah. <laughs> And they spell CVS with a P somehow. Yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. pharmacy. I got a whole bunch of those today. I don't know what th those are. <laughs> don't click on them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, why would a person who is being protected by you, especially knows they work for a company and they're not trying to get hacked, be upset that you're putting forth certain um, things that's going to protect the system from doing that? Like what makes your job a bad guy so I'm going to answer this with a question. Okay. What make what makes it so bad? Why are masks so bad to people? <laughs> Why are some people completely and utterly against masks and think that they're unconstitutional? It's the same method of thinking. No, it isn't. It is. Well, you it, it absolutely is. 
explain how it is because when you ask, <laughs> um, frankly, of course, I, I mean, I, I've accidentally walked into a restaurant, um, hit the door. I was like, man, this smells amazing in here. I don't remember. Oh, and it's like, oh, shoot, I forgot to put my mask on. I ain't feeling my breath right now with the mint. I ain't, I ain't got to be right my mint. <laughs> I think we all learned that lesson quickly in, in COVID. We all learned, like, yeah. Hey, you might want to start putting mints in your mouth because you get tired of just smelling breath, even when it ain't. Right. <laughs> but I mean, nonetheless, I, I, I mean, yes, I'm protecting you, I'm protecting the people around me, but I'm also protecting myself because I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I hear the fact that we're not talking about businesses and, and them operating. I don't know if that's where you're getting into these weeds because I'm tr- definitely not trying to get political. I think that mm-hmm. no, I'm no, a society and I want as much money as I can pot- potentially earn. So mm-hmm. I'm not about to take away any opportunity to earn finances and mm-hmm. never going to tell somebody, don't get that Corvette. Instead, if you got a Corvette, tell me how I can get a Corvette. Right. Too. Um, <laughs> great. Don't mean that I can't be great too. Uh, with that being said, uh, what? Here's, all right. <laughs> so here's what I mean, right? So the typical developer um, or analyst or, you know, whoever within a company just wants to get their job done, right? But sometimes some of the rules and procedures that we put in place, while they are to protect them and the company and its assets, sometimes it can make the job harder or it could you know it could take much longer for them you know to come up with another way to do something right um and that's where a lot of the problems come where we get labeled oh it's security you know don't you know mess with them or something like that right like because we do in a sense um we have to enforce the policies we have to enforce them that is our job so their job was significantly easier until you came in and put in some checks and balances that stopped people from hacking mm-hmm. that they may not have recognized. Or maybe they did. They just figured that they could take the, they could personally take the precautions to avoid any problems happening. But you were like, yeah, we're not going to even gamble like that. We're going to put the precautions into place right. now. And right. yeah, you can just take another five minutes, 10 minutes to do this in order to ensure that we're not losing business because we had a a hacker get into our system. Exactly. And a lot of them aren't malicious at all. They like, again, like I said, they just want to get their job done and get it done as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. So explain this to me. The cloud didn't exist previously. My hard drive with two, two terabytes I was about to say gigs, two terabytes on it did not previously exist, at least in this form that I remember. We had floppy disks back in the day. I've never yeah. used floppy disks. I don't want to try to make it sound like I have. Like Look, I'm, I used to use floppy disks. That's what I used. That means your house actually had technology. I had a computer that I could push <laughs> buttons on. It was it was older than it should have been, <laughs> which I had it. It had a floppy disk that I had no idea how to use. It had like I want to say it might have been Microsoft Notepad or something like that. I don't know what it was, but I could just, I remember <laughs> typing stuff into it. No email, none of this. I don't think email even existed. It might have, but I didn't have any of that. So I was looking at my mom like, so just type on it, but why? Like, I can't, I can't like, I'm going to mm-hmm. type all this up for homework and then I'm going to rewrite it with my hands. <laughs> I'm just going to write it with my hands. Um, 
so so the, the point of all that is is the cloud didn't exist is there going to be at some point an alternative towards these big bulky mainframes i'm assuming they're big and bulky in my head i have this original computer from the 80s that's massive covering like two walls two rooms of walls better yet um in my head when i think mainframe because i've seen different movies and stuff like that mm -hmm. so correct me if i'm wrong if, if, if it's not that but is there an alternative coming potentially that's going to make life easier and make your job have to adjust for anybody that's about to get in this industry so they know to keep adapting with the times. So it's interesting that you say make life easier. Um, and it's that seemed to be associated with mainframes. Um, and to correct you, mainframes used to be that large, but they, I would say they could be roughly the size of a refrigerator now or a little smaller. Yeah, they, um, they've come a long way. Um, there are, I will say there are technologies out there that think that they could replace the mainframe. Um, but it is in my opinion, um, that there is just not right. Like you, you're not going to, I, I haven't seen a technology yet that could, um, beat the processing power in time, um, you know, that a mainframe can handle. And honestly, IBM is creating mainframes every day. It's not like you have an old mainframe and from the 80s and that's what you're still using. Maybe there are some people that are, um, but IBM, they're updating mainframes just as, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna say as quickly as Microsoft are with servers, but mainframes are coming out all the time, like all the time. Um, they are not, you know, this dilapidate, dilapidated old, you know, technology. Well, what's the what's the alternatives that that you're looking at there that are thinking or going to try to challenge mm -hmm. uh, the mainframe game? I'm only asking because uh, at the end of the day, I mean, history has shown <laughs> I mean, Blockbuster had access to all the movies, and they was yeah, yeah. they come the Netflix were just really popping back in February little <laughs> COVID. It just disappeared, and now Wonder Woman, I think it's coming straight, the new Wonder Woman, I think it's 1984, whatever year it is, it, it's supposed to be coming straight to our, our uh, I think, HBO Max. Yeah, the streaming services, Things yeah. are constantly adjusting. Hold, I, I don't want to just throw, uh, let's say a camera company at one point mm -hmm. uh, had access to the digital camera um, technology in advance, but they didn't take it seriously. Mm -hmm. and fell behind, was trying to catch up, never caught up, and now is reestablishing themselves. I think they're reestablishing themselves in different ways. But nonetheless, what are these op options out there that are potentially challenging? I I'm, I'm just trying to, because I know there's somebody. No, I get it. Yeah, but what about this? Because you all yeah. are way smarter than me in this IT different language. <laughs> I'm not the best person to defend their perspective, but I'm willing to play angel's advocate and push you to tell me what the alternatives are out there. I get it. Um, the alternative that people think are out there uh, <laughs> are probably some type of cloud services. Um, and then there, the only one that I can think of would be um, Oracle. Um, there have been many people that have tried to go from 
to convert from mainframes to Oracle, but only to come back. Um, and again, I may be, I'm not even going to say I'm biased. It's just the biased. truth. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm not going to own up to, to the bias thing because honestly, like <laughs> if you look at the numbers, <laughs> um, but so those are the two things right now that I could say, you know, that, you know, I've heard about, right? Um, but it's one of these things that, that Mario, they've been, they've been saying this for a very long time. Oh, the mainframe is going away, you know, this day and this other, it is still here. It is still going strong. Um, as far as job opportunities, um, I don't think that people should be worried um, that there's going to be this technology that replaces you know, this environment, and then there won't be any opportunity. Um, I, I would I would advise people to not think that route simply because right now, the mainframe industry um, is filled to the rim with people. These engineers now, I'm not going to say they're old, but they are at retirement age. Um, I, I would say a good 60, 70% of them so there, there is a window of opportunity, um, especially for newbies to jump in um, and learn, learn this technology. Um, you know, if you don't like it, you can at least say you tried it. And I will honestly say, if you don't like it and you leave and try something else, but still put, if you literally mention anything mainframe on your resume, you will get called, period. Okay, I, I I hear you. I hear you. I'm 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 not. All right, sure. I'm off my soapbox now. All right, all right. So, no, no, no. You're gonna keep that soapbox out for us. <laughs> I need to know. So, thinking about a person, or maybe put so put the soapbox up. Um, I'm trying to figure out <laughs> in a situation where we're looking at iPhones and and different phones out there, Androids and our cameras. You got people on Instagram that are so phenomenal at color adjustment and making themselves look a particular way, bringing out the, the shade in the back, the dark shadows and making their faces a little bit darker or lighter, all these different technologies that didn't exist. And you had this camera where you had to go in a dark room to get the footage and all this stuff at one point. Technology is updating. So yeah. where the person was an expert in this, this young kid who's learned all of this over here has now potentially advanced past this person mm -hmm. in a way that they're doing a job that this person can still do, but it might be dated and it's only dated because it's going to take them way longer mm -hmm. and way more work than this person over here that's doing, not doing, but getting the same result. With There's a solution to that. Go ahead. So <laughs> as I said before, um, we're not standing still with this technology, right? So, um, you know, the younger crowd coming in, oh, I don't want to be on this, you know, this old, you know, green screen or black and green screen. They're coming in with these new technologies that they, you know, that they know that they've learned. Well, um, there is the Zoe project. The Zoe project um, is a open source framework or project um, geared towards um, you know, this younger crowd using these newer technologies to develop for the mainframe. So again, you know, they, they have the opportunity. Um, there are some of the, the coolest applications um, that even protect, you know, 
our digital space that, that are on the mainframe. And you can now develop outside of the mainframe for the mainframe. Mm-hmm. See, y'all, this is the difference between liking and loving something. <laughs> she couldn't stand this job, but you don't know how to see the future for it. This is the difference between liking and loving something. Liking something, you out after that thing and got on your nerves too many times. Loving something, mm-hmm. you figure out a way to not just protect it, but still make it better and to adjust your attitude or its attitude so we can make this thing keep going. Now... <laughs> Now I just I just need I need I love when somebody gets passionate about something that you're doing and something that they they believe in, especially something that's so important like what you're doing, and, and knowing that our audience there's somebody out there like Mario, shut up, shut up, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I don't. That's why questions. Uh, but nonetheless, there's people out there that are like, all right, he's saying so many things, and I'm curious to know what our answers are because I'm concerned, and I think that you gave so much good good information that you showed them what the future can be for them as well as what the present is and what they potentially need to adjust for so with that i'm assuming that your industry is always doing different conferences and trainings to make sure that whatever's coming your way you're staying up to date as well as all cost like how often are you getting trained on what new tricks hackers have like that that that, that just hit me but that's I'm certain it has to be something that I wouldn't be surprised if it was like weekly. Yeah, you, you, it's definitely easy to get behind because they're constantly coming up with things daily. Um, so it's just one of those things where it, that's what you do, right? Like, so what people have to understand is and where their passion come in, comes in is that this is not just a, a nine to five right? You're going to do your job during the day, but if you're truly passionate, then you're going to be looking this stuff up, watching YouTube videos um, and other kinds of videos, trying to learn things outside of that, outside of work, right? Um, And there are tons of conferences, right? Um, For me, I love to to attend Black Hat. Um, You know, that's a hacker conference. I mean, that, (laughs) to be surrounded by so many hackers is amazing. but then as far as the mainframe is concerned, um, there are a few conferences. One of the main ones is SHARE. Um, that is a, actually an organization that I'm actually involved in um, and happily to do so just to you know, ensure um, you know, that education continues for this, for this space, right? Um, yeah, that there, there, there are conferences, you know, that you can attend. Um, IBM has constantly has conferences. A lot of the mainframe vendors have conferences. And then, of course, if you want to push into, so for me, I stated that I'm in security. Um, I also think that it's important to not only learn the mainframe side of things, but to learn general security, right? And so you can get some of those, um, some of that. Um, information and some of those skills from security conferences as well, as well as just reading and watching videos. And there's so much information um, available there. It just you didn't used to be there, but there's just so much. That's, that's, that's so great that you, you said so many different resources. I'm certain a lot of those people, a lot of organizations have websites that people can go to resources. Mm-hmm they can learn from. And this is stuff I want people to actually go and check out primarily because this means that if you're not in college yet, 
you could probably get a jump on a lot of this information, this content right. that's out there to advance yourself. You you can go to YouTube University and, right. and, and continue to advance your education through a master's and a doctoral degree. Right. Metaphorical, I don't know if there's literally a YouTube university out there. <laughs> you are fluent in understanding what's going on because of the content that's out there and mm -hmm. advantage of, just for clarity. Now, all right, all right, all right. Cause because this is really cool, man. This is this is this is very, very cool. What uh I know people want to know this, so why not ask? <laughs> Some of the stupid things that we're doing as normal people mm -hmm. that are exposing us to risk and how can we change certain habits, basic habits, maybe. Uh, what what are you seeing or what do you oh, think? That's that's easy. That's easy. It's, it's one of my pet peeves, actually, and it's something um, I'm actually working, um, this is a passion project for me that I'm working on right now, um, but social media. Mm -hmm. um, the way we are using social media these days and the amount of information um, that we are giving away about ourselves on social media, um, it not only confuses but enrages me but I know that it's because most people just aren't aware you know of you know of the information that they're giving out right um the one thing that I would tell a young person a high school student or even a college student you know when it comes to social media is you know people are always watching that is the first thing a prospective employer will check your social media footprint and if if we can just get people and educate people on, you know, the correct things to do or to even clean up their footprint, um, I think a lot of more people will be in a much better place when it comes to, you know, opportunities. Yeah. I, rem I remember learning that um, most jobs, like you said, are re most jobs of value, like the, the salaries and really expecting you to have a good reputation are researching people's social media accounts mm -hmm. and they expect you to be researching them. So exactly. when, you the interview, when you come into the interview, you can talk to them in a mm -hmm. way that, that you're, you're showing that you did your homework, you're engaging. And I, when I say researching them, I don't mean solely the company. Maybe right. you learn the LinkedIn uh, page of the actual person interviewing you. Quick pro tip, most people know this. If you click somebody's LinkedIn and you ain't paying for an account that's hiding your account, they're going to they, they know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's also articles and things like that that are potentially out there about these people. So look that up. I'm only sharing this because the average human, based off of what you're talking about, I just, I just want to point out, is like, so you Facebook stalking me? It's like, well, it's not called stalking. You added right. on the platform. I am a follower, which is the terminology of your content. And as a follower, I'm mm -hmm. consuming what you gave me. I that chose have access to your stuff and you chose to allow <laughs> let me give you an example right and, and, and a part so, of the please include what uh what you mean by information because information mm -hmm. when it comes to social media can go multiple ways i'm still logged into facebook and i go to target and i'm going through this stuff and boom my accounts are speaking to these things and now i got ads or, right. and, or are you talking about me posting too many pictures of liking apples and me liking apples that are red is inappropriate because there's people out there that like apples that are green. So it's, it's a little bit of everything, right? So from a personal perspective and from a, a, a business or employment perspective, 
right? Like personally, um, for me, you know, like if you're going on vacation, right? You don't have to post that, right? Like I, I've seen people that post, oh, I'm going to be going on vacation at this time, this date, I'm going to be gone these hours, this, like, what are you doing? Because basically you're giving someone now, you know, the forethought to be like, oh, they're going to be gone here. Let me go case the joint and see what I can find. Like, why are you, why do we need to know that? You can post some pictures of you at the beach without giving away all that information, right? Um, and then from an employment perspective, yes, you do need to be very careful with what you're posting, right? Like these, these day and times, like these employers are, you know, they can be very finicky. You know, it could be any little thing. You just never know. You just need to be careful, like, you know, who you're associating with on social media, what you're saying, what you're posting. Okay, okay. I, I smile really hard when you mentioned uh, don't tell people. <laughs> I'm, I'm very famous for that. Like when it, when you, if you go into some of my old content, especially when I was in Vegas, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm giving out jewels, but I, I'm not going to let you know I'm in Vegas when I'm in Vegas. That's why I had so much stuff because I was there for 10 days, which is an absurd amount of time to be in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and so what did I think the first video I was like, yeah, today is this date, but that ain't when you watching it though. Right. <laughs> Like this happened two months ago, but you know, <laughs> yeah. That's you know how to break funny. into your house, when to break into it, and all these things. Yes, there is so much, so what much. Or us in our like, what other things are we digitally doing um, that potentially are putting us at risk? Just one more thing, I guess. Um, that we are digitally doing. Let's see. You put me on to something, and I wish I could remember. I think it's just a part of habits now that I'm protecting myself and telling friends to not do something uh, what was that? Said it was what something was that? that you used to argue with a, a close friend of yours because mm-hmm. they were always doing it wrong uh, i had to think about that one i had to think about it i'm pretty sure it's, it's important too right like right when i need to know or remember what you mean um that we're doing like to my them. mama telling us don't don't post pictures of yourself out there in that bikini right so other yeah. things that are that are important that um i would say let's see what other things um from a digital perspective you 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 definitely have to watch i know not everyone has kids but they have to watch that too you know what they're posting uh, as far as children are, are um, concerned um let's see how do you protect your child from that one meme that was out there? I'm not going to say the name of it to empower it, but it was that creepy mask that was mm-hmm. essentially convincing kids to uh, do harm to themselves mm-hmm. or else they would tell their parents or something like that. Yeah, um, I, I think it's, it, I think that um, the importance of being able to talk to them outside of the technology and okay. just instilling in them um and so for me so for one my children they don't have social media accounts um because i I just can't fathom it at the point right now but um locking down some of these devices like they have their security um um ability there there are abilities and features you know in these operating systems to lock down and this is not just for kids like this is for adults too, right? Like I would tell you, every time your phone or your tablet is updated, go out and look at all the settings 
all the privacy settings, security settings, to, to check to see what changed and to make sure your settings are still intact. I, I would say the same for social media settings as well, right? Because they're always sneaking something in um, that, you know, that could change, you know, your privacy settings. So I would always say to just stay up on that um, and just be, just be aware, right? Um, I'm trying to think, I'm really trying to think of what it was that we. Have, have you gotten a chance to see the Netflix documentary called The Social Dilemma? No. Okay, so for anybody who hasn't watched it, it actually is really interesting because it, it I want to say they have, I want to say they have maybe Twitter creators, they have Google creators, uh, mm -hmm. like actual programmers. They had one of the leaders from Pinterest. They had people from every single platform, uh, including uh, Sean Parker, who was part of Napster, as, as well as Facebook. And I only want to point these things out because I know she sounds like a mom telling us to not do certain. <laughs> but what you need to catch on to is she said she's not allowing her kids to have social media yet. Why is this important? Because if you go watch the whole Netflix documentary, it does a really great job. And there's a couple others on there. You'll catch on that a lot of these people who created these actual tools, they don't even allow their kids to use. Right. <laughs> I created Facebook or Instagram. I'm not saying that Zuckerberg is doing this, but I'm not allowing my kid to use Facebook or Instagram. Mm -hmm. The chef is its own cooking. You might need to ask some questions. So you, while she's saying this, don't just hear it like a grain of salt. Hear it as an expert saying that there's something deeper involved that you need to be looking into and making sure you're protecting yourself as well as your loved ones in the process. Now, tell me this. People want to know, we always got to have a conversation about money. What's the entry level uh, salary for your industry and what is uh, potentially like the salary range for people in positions like yours? Um, I would say but the way the way these newbies are coming in now, right? <laughs> the way they're coming in now with these salary. Um, okay, well, let's start here, right? When we can talk numbers all day about salary, but what I have learned, even in my industry, that salary encompasses more than just the money. Um, it is important for people to know that there are other things besides the money that you can negotiate when you are offered a position, okay? So please remember that things like vacation time, um, things like stock, you know, all these things can be negotiated and people generally focus on the money, but think about other things that would make you want to remain there, right? Like what is going to keep you with the company outside of the money? Now, money, <laughs> where that is concerned, I would say um, entry level, um, you can probably come in, I'm going to say mid 50s, 60s, nice. thousands coming in entry level. Um, I don't see a reason why you wouldn't. Um, again, I'm not an HR person, but um, with today, I mean, like, yeah, I, I could easily see that. That's matter uh not not your degree but does uh the school you graduated from matter when it comes to getting a job like i was um, my tea of course is like cream of the cream right 
Right. Um, from this injury industry perspective, I wouldn't say so. Um, it's more, honestly, I got, I got to be honest with you. It's going to be, it's on you. It's on the person, right? Um, and, and the way that you interview with whoever you're interviewing with. Um, you know, people can read resumes all day. But what I would say is, and this is one thing, and I'm kind of deviating a little bit, but what I will say is when it comes to resumes, one trick that I will, I tell people is go out there, you take a look at the job descriptions, go look at other job descriptions for the same position and make sure that you have some of those keywords in your resume. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of the HR systems are based off of keywords and you need to place some of those keywords from the job descriptions in the resume. And this is if you don't know anyone that already works there. Uh, that's just a little tidbit, you know, to help people out. Yeah, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give them even more cheating advice. Uh, I've never done this. I genuinely have never done this. I Because my last job, I have, I, I, my job, my last job, <laughs> have applications like this. So I did not do this. I want to put mm -hmm. that out in advance. Even when I interviewed for the job, when I went from case manager to uh, the other position inside of my other company, I did not apply like this. So I have never done these things. Although I'm about to tell you the trick that I've heard works. <laughs> I was told because I mean, when it comes to those filters, you're applying for a job that hundreds of people are applying for. And you right. think beautiful resume and guess what? It is beautiful to that last HR person. But to mm -hmm. this HR person, they wanted you to format it a particular way that was completely out of a way that you would have never known because you don't know them. And right. so you're looking for a specific image, you're looking for keywords. And so they just type it into a computer and the computer finds those words and filters those things up and drops your resume who doesn't have it on there down. Now, here's the secret that I was told from an HR person that they caught uh, people doing. And that is uh, in the margins, I never knew this. Uh, apparently in the margins, somebody will copy the whole job description, put it at like one point and change it to white. So it disappears on the actual job application, which <laughs> that you're looking Every for. Every word. <laughs> your job description. That is genius. <laughs> yeah, you put all of that in your resume. So while they're typing in looking for keywords, Every word of that application. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna pop up every time. <laughs> that that is the, the oh. people is doing out here. I don't know if they figured out the trick to, <laughs> to figure out people doing that. I'm, I'm sure they have, but that is a trick that uh yeah. they able to get away with out here. Just wanted to share that with y'all. Right, so we're back to the salaries. We're not gonna yes, just salaries, salaries. Yeah, so, um, the ranks. Um mm -hmm. So we started off 50, 60. I need to know the degree because I wanted people to know, not just the degree, but I want to know about the scoring because I want to make sure people know that they went to a public, private school. They still can get a, a job in this industry. Yeah. And this industry is probably always hiring, especially now where Amazon is blowing up with $2 trillion, I think, mm -hmm. in, in value. Maybe that's, maybe that's Apple. Either way, both of them are worth trillions. And so IT and protection is going to be a big thing that I'm assuming that people are going to constantly get hired for. So that is a great thing to hear. Let's people know that they can get hired for a position regardless of what school they go to. Yeah. With that, as we go up the rank, what are we looking at? Um, um, all right. So, I mean, at the end of the day, um, depending on where you are and how you have um, pursued your career within your company, um, then you could easily 
end up in the in the six figures. I mean, that's just that's just truth, right? Um, ones, the 100Ks, 200Ks, 300Ks. Well, de- depending on where you are, right? Like, so of course, if you're going to go executive level, then you're going to get up there, right? Um, hmm? What's that title? We're talking about chief CIO, chief information. Yeah, like CIOs. Yeah. Um, so chief information officers, things of that sort. Of course, you're going to get up there, you know, in the money. Right. Um, for like, but peons like me that are senior engineers <laughs> um, or PLMs. I said peons. Oh, peons. Oh. <laughs> peons like me, you know, senior engineers and leads and things like that. Um, I, I could say easily um, mid, you know, ones, you know. Um, yeah, you just got to push yourself and know, you know, you just got to know when you need to move when you need to stay um and and only you would be able to to determine that right depending on your your work environment yeah yeah okay okay and it sounds like you probably graduate did you you just graduated with just a bachelor's right i have a master's you have a master's Mm -hmm. Um, that and that allows you to elevate um Honestly, it just depends, right? So the so the mainframe space is just a little bit different, right? Because those skills are um, there's such a need for those skills um, that I'm not going to say that you should pursue a master's or need a master's, right? Having one is awesome, but because these skills are are, are needed so badly, then you don't necessarily need a master's. Okay. You don't. Okay. But does the masters allow you to make more? That's 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 the thing I really want to know. Is your masters allowing you to make more money, or is it just opening you up for specific positions? I think a little bit of both. I think a little bit of both. Um, from an IT perspective, a general IT perspective, um, and just based on like you know people you know I've seen and things that I've seen in HR departments I think I would say a little bit of both honestly it just depends on the company um, and their structure their org structure okay but I will say you know um, that you could definitely you know pursue your career starting with a bachelor's or quite possibly an associate's um, especially in the mainframe space and still start off with that salary of maybe 50 60 Mm mm-hmm and this is important for people to know because uh, if you've been following these interviews, you know that we talk about student loans a lot. Yeah. So you're not being required to go to this expensive university and you're not required to have all these long years. That means you're minimizing how much debt you're acquiring. Mm-hmm. And 1000 with minimum debt is a good life for a person fresh out of college. And yeah, I mean, definitely. a nice car. You're living in a, in a in a nice apartment. You're living, you're eating. I mean, some people want to own, so I'm, I'm not taking that away from you. you, you mm-hmm. figure, that's a real estate conversation. But you're, you're living in a nice place. You're dressing a nice way. You may not be walking around in $100,000 suits because that's not what your salary reflects. Right. <laughs> way that allows you to dress a certain way and enjoy life, which is really why we do this. We need people to know what opportunities are out there for them to not hate Mondays as well as know that what they're doing is providing a lifestyle that they desire to have 
We always talking about rich, throw rich out of there. Today, we've talked about 50 plus thousand dollars in lifestyles, all the way up to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And mm -hmm. that's what we need to be locking in on when we don't necessarily know exactly what we want to do, especially if we figure out things that entertain our interests, dig deeper into them, explore them. Give me a fact, do me a favor now, Ms. Kemp, and uh, mm -hmm. give me a little bit more information that you want to share with people as we get ready to head out. The main thing that I would en encourage people um, to think about, um, and this is something I didn't realize until much later, right? uh, actually not long ago, but a piece of advice. All these numbers that we talk about um, and these positions that we talk about, gaining these positions and these numbers, these salaries is literally based on your negotiation skills. Companies are always gonna come at you. I'm not gonna say from the low end, right? I'm not gonna say that all companies are gonna try to lowball you. But the important thing to do is to know what you know, know what you are worth, know what you are comfortable with, always know your minimum number always know it and always seek above it right because negotiation is key period you know whether you know tons of information or tons of have tons of skills you know in a certain um um discipline it doesn't matter if your negotiation skills are not up to par and you can research um you can practice with people um just seek out the knowledge. Just seek out the knowledge. That is the one thing, the main thing that I have learned is if I want to get where I want to be number-wise, salary-wise, then I need to know how to talk to these people and get what I want. Mm -hmm. And to add on to that, she's highlighting so many things related to negotiating that you people really need to know that that is not something you just sleep on. Somebody gives you a number, it may have been your number, but it maybe shouldn't be the last number that's discussed mm -hmm. because there's probably a better number out there for you to explore. And I'm not saying that they're cheating you, but I'm just saying that know your worth, know what know the industry is, is available, what, what's available in industry when it comes to your benefits package. And also when I say know your worth, this is what I want to add on, know what you want. So- exactly person that cares more about taking long vacations and that number is good maybe you can negotiate saying hey can, can I get another week of vacation uh it's either that or maybe I can get a salary bump of another 10,000 I don't know what type of numbers people are talking about out here in these streets I'm just saying so there's negotiating things that bring up uh, but knowing what you want allows you to negotiate in your interest opposed to negotiating based off of what was presented. Because just because something wasn't presented doesn't mean it's not available. Right, so, they're either gonna say yes or no. Yeah, yeah. And if they say no, guess what you came in with and left out with? The exact same thing. Exactly. <laughs> so you didn't lose nothing <laughs> in the process. Uh, man, I, I really appreciate your time. So Aurora, I just wanna say that part out loud because I'm deep <laughs> So and I always got to acknowledge my, 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 my people within fraternal sorority relations 
especially when I got blue on. So I definitely appreciate your time. I appreciate you uh, sharing so much information. I hope that you all out there receive something today in your spirit that allows you to go on and live a lifestyle that allows you to be happy and as passionate as Kim here. So like that, so it is. Oh, 